Welcome to the Healing Our Sight podcast, where we discuss vision issues and healing strategies from the patient perspective. The goal of this podcast is to create an awareness of the types of vision issues that people experience, to highlight the types of help available, and to open a dialogue between patients to show we're not alone in our vision struggles. Today, I'm speaking with Aubrey Boss, who actually made a career shift because of her experience in vision therapy. She'll be sharing her story as well as discussing with me my own journey to stereopsis or 3D vision. Our stories demonstrate some of the extreme contrasts in vision issues and in the treatment that's needed to resolve those challenges. Hi, Aubrey. Hi, Denise. Let's start today with some background on you. When did you first realize that you had a vision issue and that there was help for it? You know, I actually didn't realize I had any vision issues until I actually worked for the doctor I work for now. He usually gives a free eye exam to all his employees once a year. And I was getting my eye exam and he noticed a few things and he was like, hey, why don't we do some diagnostics with you? I might notice that, you know, you have some visual processing disorder. So I was like, okay, you know. So we did diagnostics and he found out that I am diagnosed or I have a diagnosis of something called convergence sensitivity efficiency, which means my eyes can't converge together properly. I really didn't know until he saw those few things and was like, okay, you know, you actually need treatment for the vision therapy. And how long did that therapy take? So mine actually only took 21 sessions. We typically for convergence insufficiency usually guesstimate or estimate about well, 16 to 24 sessions, but that can change, you know, depending on how well the patient does with their home therapy or just how well they respond to treatment too. Right. And convergence Mm -hmm. insufficiency is actually the same thing that my son had. Mm -hmm. You know, I actually should have, you know, thought about being tested before because I've actually had several siblings be treated at Dr. Davies office for convergence insufficiency. Um, But, you know, when you adapt really well to things and the symptoms that later I noticed after I was diagnosed with it, I just realized I kind of just brushed under the table until then. So, and didn't think it was a problem. Yeah. And I've read that they don't think that these kinds of issues run in families, but I certainly (laughs) saw that it's all over in my family. Mm -hmm. Apparently that's the same thing that you're seeing in your family as well. Yep. Yeah. Most of us, like most all of us have had treatment, you know, for vision therapy. So yeah, it should have been obvious for me, but it wasn't. (laughs) I didn't know there was a problem. (laughs) But in retrospect, what kind of issues did you notice that you were experiencing and you didn't realize that it was a problem that could be addressed? Later, I noticed my eyes would get really tired whenever I'd read. After a chapter, I'd just fall asleep. I'd be so tired. It could be the middle of the day and I'd just get really sleepy. I didn't know that that was something that wasn't normal for a lot of people because vision is so subjective and you can't really compare your vision to other people's because it's what you're seeing and you can't be like, this is what I'm seeing. I also would get kind of nauseous when I read almost like motion sickness. And I just equated all of this to just being like, I don't like reading. So I just didn't read very much because I thought I just didn't like it. You know, it turns out my eyes just weren't coordinated properly. And what do you notice different now that you've had the treatment? So my eyes don't get as tired when I read. I feel like I can read a lot longer. Um, My comprehension has gotten better, a lot better, actually. I wish I had gotten treatment before college because uh, there was a lot of times when I'd read and reread things 
a lot because I just wouldn't pick it up like other people would. And I wondered when I was in college, I felt stupid because I was like, I feel like I have to work 10 times harder than everyone else. So it was really frustrating that way. It was actually true that you had to work harder than everyone else though. Yeah. Didn't it know was. <laughs> I just didn't know it was the thing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And what did you enjoy about vision therapy? You know, the science behind it is just really interesting. I mainly worked at the front desk until I had vision therapy treatment. And I still worked at the front desk for a bit after that. But it was kind of nice because I could kind of see what the patients were experiencing. And then if patients' parents called or, you know, if anyone called and had questions, I was able to actually answer them and let them know what could be happening back there if they did decide to do vision therapy. So it was just really cool to see kind of both ends of being able to help the parent and then also see what goes behind vision therapy, basically. Yeah, gave you a lot of insight into what was going on mm-hmm. in, the, in the back room when you right. were in the front, right? Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> and and what were the challenges of your therapy specifically? I didn't have a lot of challenges in therapy. I felt like I could look through my charts and see where I might have struggled. It's just you don't really know what you're struggling with um, because you're not going to have your therapist sit there and be like, oh, you did bad at that or anything like that. So, you know, I could have been like, oh, I did good. And they're like, oh, she didn't do very good with that. You know, I did notice, though, that I would get nauseous sometimes, a little bit nauseous, especially with red green activities, like some filtered activities. And sometimes I'd get like really tired after therapy and I would do my therapy and then go to work. So it was kind of hard that way, but it was never extreme or anything like that. And then because of your therapy, you decided you didn't like the front desk as much as you liked being Mm -hmm. back there. Is that right? Well, I just, I was so interested in everything and you know, I saw what a difference all the therapists made in all these kids' lives. So it was just something that looked super fulfilling. And I decided that was something I wanted to pursue. That's kind of what got me into it. And you're about halfway through the yeah. process of becoming a vision therapist yourself, right? Yep. About halfway there, a year into it. So, <laughs> yeah. I really love that you decided to become a vision therapist after you completed your own vision therapy. I know it, it's, it's nice. Cause I can actually, is this how your eyes feel? And they're like, yeah, that's how my eyes feel. So how about you? When did you decide to get help for your vision issues? Well, I had always known that my eyes didn't work together, mm-hmm. but I became increasingly frustrated with it, I guess, as mm-hmm. I got into my forties and it became super obvious. My eye turn was pretty much constant. Mm-hmm. And I hated how I looked in photos. My children were not happy that I didn't want to have my photo taken ever. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I look in the mirror and I just I couldn't look myself straight in the eye at all. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, my eyes really hadn't looked very crooked at all. Mm-hmm. My my glasses pretty much had corrected that or my my contact lenses after I went to contacts. So I didn't really feel like it was a problem until mm-hmm. you know, I was in my forties and that started to happen. And prior to that, I was teaching piano and early childhood music lessons in my home and I wasn't going out and about, but I had started substitute teaching during the day while my children were at school. And often the elementary age children would ask me what was wrong with my eyes. 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would be able to answer them and educate them about vision issues. And other times I would just really didn't feel up to it. And so I'd kind of ignore the questions and it just became really uncomfortable for me. I always wonder what adults were thinking. Usually mm-hmm. adults don't say anything, you know, I'd be like, oh, I wonder what they're thinking about my eyes right now. <laughs> right, right. Well, and it, you know, you probably just get tired of having to explain something that's when you're talking to anyone, it's kind of like, okay, I want to talk about a different subject, potentially, you know, it's like, I'm sick of explaining my eyes. So I could see how it would be super frustrating. Yeah. And I just think it's really important that people understand what's really going on when someone's eye is turning, that really it's because they can't focus their eyes together. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people will get labeled, oh, they have a lazy eye or whatever, but Mm -hmm. it's not lazy so much. In especially in my situation, as mm-hmm. it has to get out of the way, mm-hmm. or you see double. Yeah, and I, I really don't think people understand that at all. Right. So whenever someone's eye is turning, it's really because they want to see just one image. They want to be able mm-hmm. to look at you. Right. And if you don't know which eye they're looking out of, mm-hmm. that can sometimes be problematic. Um, I've had my brother tell me that that's an issue for him. Yeah. So yeah. did you experience like vision, vision issues as a child or? Yeah. I, I noticed I, it later. Yeah, I really did. Um, I, I got glasses when I was just shy of three years old. Mm-hmm. My left eye suddenly crossed one day. I woke up from my nap and my eye was crossed. My mom freaked out. Mm-hmm. She'd been dealing with my younger brother having crossed eyes and he had mm-hmm. had surgery, a couple of surgeries to correct his uh, crossed eyes. Mm-hmm. He took me right straight into the ophthalmologist and they put me right in glasses with bifocals, which was the typical thing to do. At right. Time. And it was, it was actually years before I told the ophthalmologist assistants that I couldn't do any of the tests that they were mm-hmm. asking. Do I, every time they asked me, "Where do you see the note on the staff of music?" Mm-hmm. Yes, and finally I told them, "I see the notes over here, and I see the lines over here, and they don't mm-hmm. together at all." And it was just really frustrating. And, and they I, just they just basically were just like, "Okay, next test." They didn't like mention anything. No, they they finally said, "Oh, we'll stop asking you that." And it didn't really get noted in the chart and they would still ask me. Right. <laughs> so that was always something I just felt bad about. Mm-hmm. And I was also the, always the child with the skin knees and felt really clumsy, not really good at sports or anything that involved a ball or flying objects or anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but it wasn't super obvious to other people. Um, because my eyes usually only looked crooked if I was really tired. Mm-hmm. And the crossed eye became so much more apparent just as I got much older. Mm-hmm. So when did you start vision therapy? Tell us about your journey. When did you discover vision therapy to when you actually got into treatment? Yeah, I started working on my vision just in general about 2009. And I was doing some home exercises on vision improvement, that kind of thing. 
Mm-hmm. And I kept looking for ways to improve my vision, finally came across vision therapy. And I think I was probably on the COVD website and searched to see if there was a doctor near me and found Dr. Price. And I went in for a visit in August of 2011. And then I thought about it for a while, <laughs> went in for my first uh, session in November of 2011. And I had already decided at that point that I felt it was something I needed to share because it was so difficult to find the information and to know that that's what would actually help me. I wanted other people to be able to find it easier. And so I started my blog and I called it healingmysight.com right the day after my first vision therapy session. So you were really passionate about it, like right from the beginning. I was. And I, I really wanted to be very open about it. But as I got into it, I felt like I didn't want it to be negative. And yet I wasn't getting the results I wanted. And mm-hmm. I would read other people's blogs and I would think, oh, they're frustrated too. And mm-hmm. I don't want this to be all about, oh, this isn't working kind of a thing. So I didn't really post as often as I probably should have. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know if it would have been helpful for other people or not, but I really wanted it to be more positive and this is what works and here's some resources and, and that kind of thing. And that's what I've tended to focus on early on. So I would post about my children having successful vision therapy outcomes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw both Dr. Price and Dr. Davies, and then they separated the practice and I was just seeing Dr. Davies at that point. Mm-hmm. So I continued my vision therapy sessions until August of 2013. And by then I'd had 68 sessions. There were times that I felt like I was making some progress, but then I would have a a little evaluation and I would find that there really wasn't anything that was measurably improved. And Mm -hmm. Dr. Davies suggested that I, that I think about having surgery. I really didn't want to go that route. Mm -hmm. And at one point he said, what is your goal with this? Because he knew I was bothered by my eye being crooked. Mm -hmm. And said, you know, you could have surgery and that's going to fix everything as far as mm-hmm. visually, right? right. And, and I said, well, that that's not my total goal. I, w- I want to have functional vision. I want stereopsis. I want 3D vision. And I, I just, I really want all of it. I want the whole picture. And so I, I took about three years off and I did mm-hmm. things at home periodically. And, and Dr. Davies became trained in syntonics and then I went back and had some that therapy, which didn't do much for me. Mm-hmm. And I had 27 more sessions and still not getting the results that I thought I should be getting and that mm-hmm. he should be getting. And yeah. so he once again suggested that I have surgery. And at that point, things had changed to where I had insurance and resources and it was a more workable option at that point. And so I consulted with Dr. Peterson, who is an ophthalmologist that Dr. Davies had worked with before. And I had surgery in March of 2017. And mm-hmm. the following week, I went back and had some more vision therapy for 20 mm-hmm. more, 24 more sessions, actually, over the course of the next seven months. And I, so I feel like my timeline is pretty long. It's probably not very typical of what you would normally see. Mm-hmm. And in the vision therapy office, is that, would you say that's true? 
I mean, it just depends on the diagnosis and the patient, but I mean, you had that kind of conflicting, like, oh, I had some improvement, but you know, and you're kind of trying to decide between more therapy or like surgery. Mm -hmm. So I think that it just depends on the person. And if they do decide if it is something we can help with therapy, or if it is something that does need to be addressed with surgery, why didn't you have surgery sooner when Dr. Davies first suggested it? It, there were lots of issues that steered me away from it, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. I had heard lots of horror stories about surgery. Mm-hmm. Well, my brother had had a, a successful outcome uh, cosmetically, and I didn't have the insurance or the resources that way either. Mm-hmm. Um, just really felt like it wasn't something I wanted to do. I really wanted to be like Sue Berry and mm-hmm. her fixing my gaze where she just did vision therapy. Mm-hmm. And it took me until I went back and reread her book much later and realized that she said in there, vision therapy is more likely to be successful when the eyes are aligned. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, my eyes aren't aligned right now. Right. And, and, I, re- and I remembered that she had had surgery as a child. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like she never had surgery. Yeah. It kind of made me more open to the fact that maybe that was going to be something that would be required for me to get the result I wanted. Right. So I think we probably just want to tie everything together now that we've discussed both of our stories. I think that also I wanted to share that that those there's a lot of emotional issues that go along with vision therapy. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that when you were doing some of that kind of therapy? Absolutely. I mean, especially with like little kids who come in because um, if they're dealing with any kind of like eye turn or anything like that, they're already kind of, um, they're already, their confidence is already kind of beaten down because we know that if they're going to school, you know, kids can be ruthless and say, you know, horrible, mean things to each other. And, you know, they love to point out differences in each other. So there is a lot of times when kids will come in and they feel like they can't do something and they can, it's just something they don't have a lot of confidence with. So I would say, yeah, there's definitely emotions that come behind therapy or along with it. Do you see it also in adults when they're in therapy? Yeah. If they had just discovered us or vision therapy, they're dealing with a whole lifetime of having to explain, you know, why my eye turns like that or anything that goes along with it, why they're struggling with sports or anything. So I think it, you know, it definitely comes with some emotional baggage, if you will, mm-hmm. um, just because, you know, that's how we learn is dealing with all of those kind of things through life. I think mm-hmm. it definitely does. Did you, did you feel that for you too? Um, yeah, I mean, there were times <laughs> and I don't like to admit when I cry, but I like when I was doing my, you know, classes, there were nights I would just kind of break down, especially like before midterm or anything, just because I felt stupid because I had to work so hard to, you know, learn the things that everyone else was like doing their homework online as they're walking into class. And I was like, I have to like sit down and like go through this and learn but other people were like, oh, that's so easy. You know, like it didn't take me any time to get that done. And it took me so much time. I felt like that I just would get really frustrated. So yeah, I would say yes. <laughs> so after you did your therapy mm-hmm. and all of those things became much easier, right? 
Yeah. I mean, we all deal with insecurities, but I, my comprehension has definitely gotten better. And I think that was a a big deal, especially like in my English class, just because we would be reading articles and it was just really hard to retain everything. Right. Well, and for me, I've had to deal with the idea that it didn't look the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. I want to have the surgery. Right. And coming to grips with the fact that it took both, that it took vision therapy and surgery for me to mm-hmm. be able to get the result I wanted. That yeah. was that was something that has taken me a while to really be okay with. Right. Um, and I think that there's always, in retrospect, things that you think, oh, I should have done that different, or I could have, mm-hmm. I could have had surgery sooner, or I could have worked harder. Mm-hmm. You know, or yep. there's kinds of things you could think about. Oh um, yeah. Hindsight's 2020. <laughs> <laughs> right. But when it comes right down to it, our journeys are the way they are for a reason. Mm-hmm. I really feel that. And that's why I really want to be able to, to share it with other people mm-hmm. and uh, provide an opportunity for others to do the same. For sure. So Hopefully we can talk again and have more insight into the vision therapy world and other ways that we can improve our vision. Thank you so much for helping me talk through all of this today. I I appreciate it so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. We'll talk again. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to episode number two of the Healing Our Sight podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe, add a review, and share it on your favorite social media. If you'd like to suggest a guest, contact me in a review or by commenting on my website, healingmysite.com. Thanks again. Mm-hmm.